When was the last time you got to go fishing? What's that you say? You don't like to go fishing? Oh, you just don't know what you're missing out on. You just don't know what you're missing out on. Have you tried that new restaurant uptown? It's so good. Have you been there? You say you haven't been there. Oh, you just don't know what you're missing out on. I'm just using a couple expressions there to illustrate a point. You know, when we are involved in something that we think is good, and we talk to others about it who are not thus involved, we often use that expression, oh, you're just missing out. You're really missing out on something if you don't do that. You know, we might apply that to camping or uh, hunting or uh, playing golf or for that matter, maybe motorcycle riding. You're a motorcycle rider and you, and you say, well, you just don't know what you're missing if you don't ride a motorcycle like I do. Or something like that. You're just missing out. That expression is also used, sadly, about sinful activities. And if you don't engage in certain sinful activities, someone will say, you're really missing out. They might especially tempt our young people with that kind of concept. Oh, you mean you don't drink? You don't drink any alcohol? Oh, you're really missing out. You don't go dancing? You're really missing out. You don't engage in sexual immorality? Oh, you're really missing out. That's the idea. And so uh, what they don't realize is that a person can actually enjoy life without engaging in such sinful activities. They say you're missing out. We think they're wrong. Uh, Christians know and have experienced, actually, that the best life, the, the, the most fulfilling and happiest life comes from serving God and having a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. The ones who are really missing out, actually, are those who remain in sin and, and do not enjoy all the blessings that come through a life uh, that lives for our Lord. Today we want to ask the question, who is missing out? In reality, who is missing out? That's the point. The sinful people of the world would suggest maybe we're missing out by not living sinfully like they live. We'd like to point out that they're actually ones who are missing what's most important. And so our question for study briefly this morning is, who's really missing out? We stop here just for a moment to say thank you for being here. We, we appreciate uh, your presence. Uh, we're going to start calling Gordon Mr. Rogers, you know, a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And so, but it really is. It's a, it's a beautiful day here in southern middle Tennessee. And we are blessed to be able to be together to worship God. Our, our prime objective, of course, is to bring honor and glory to his name. That's what it's primarily about. And we hope that we can accomplish that. We think we, we, we approach that by doing what he said to do, do it the way he said to do it. And so as we worship together this morning, if you notice anything that seems out of the way, not according to the biblical pattern, we hope you bring that to our attention because we want to do all things uh, in, in a proper authorized manner. So if you have any questions or concerns, uh, please raise those. We, we'll try to give a Bible answer. Uh, a secondary objective that we have, though, in coming together is that we all might be edified, encouraged, and built up. 
We pray that will happen too. And, and of course, uh, we'll, we'll make our best effort. And a lot of that depends upon each one of us. If we take away from this worship what is uh, available to us. Thanks for being here this morning. Especially thanks to our visitors for coming today. So who's really missing out anyway? The text we want to use for our study is the one that was read to us earlier uh, uh, in Ephesians 2, beginning verse 12. At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The Apostle Paul here was writing about the contrast that existed in the life of some people, particularly he was writing to the Gentiles. And he's writing about the contrast of the state they were in before they became Christians with their, with their condition now because they had obeyed the gospel. And so a stark contrast is being drawn in these couple of verses. What was true for them is also true for us. Without Christ, some things are true, but in Christ we have great blessing. The ones who are really missing out are the ones who have not availed themselves of the blessing that God provides through Christ Jesus. So look at this text and and notice that a sinner, one who has not obeyed the gospel, is first of all without Christ. The apostle says before these people had become Christians, he said, ye were without Christ. Now think about that for just a minute. There's, There's a lot implied concerning life without Christ. Think of some of the descriptives that are used concerning Jesus. For instance, he's called the shepherd of the sheep in Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 1. He is the shepherd of the sheep. Well, you get the picture of a shepherd as one who protects the sheep. And so if you're, if you're without a shepherd, you're without a protector. Jesus is called the way to God. In John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so the way suggests guidance, a direction, pointing out the path that leads to God. If you are without Christ, you don't have that kind of spiritual guidance. In John chapter 6, verse 41, he's called the bread of life. Well, certainly the bread of life suggests the idea of sustenance, uh, giving us what we need to exist. If you're without Christ spiritually, you're without that kind of bread of life or spiritual sustenance. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning verse 28, Jesus said he is the one who gives rest. The rest there is certainly the idea of spiritual peace and rest. Without Christ, you don't have that. John 15, Jesus said, he's the vine, we're the branches. But if you're not in Christ, then you you don't have attachment to the life-sustaining vine. You don't have the support that's provided by the vine. In 1 John 2, verse 1, Jesus is identified as our advocate. And this may be a picture that we can conjure up in our mind pretty easily. The word advocate there, we would probably relate to the idea of having a lawyer. And so you're going to trial on a very serious charge. You could face the death sentence and you don't have a lawyer. You don't have a lawyer. Without Christ, you don't have a lawyer in the sense that your eternal life is in jeopardy. And you you have no advocate or no lawyer. 
So uh, a sinner is without Christ. And, there, and, and, and Jesus provides so many valuable roles. We could expand that list, I think, that we just quickly went through. We could expand that list, but a, a sinner does not have Christ. Furthermore, a, sit, a sinner is without citizenship. Notice this phrase in our text. Before these people had become Christians, he says they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. A couple of things here that I think are worth noting. The word alien. You know, it, it used to be when we heard the word alien, we thought of space aliens, you know, uh, beings from outer space. But I think that's probably changed in general perception these days because we have heard so much about immigration issues and illegal aliens. And that's really the sense in which it's used here. When he speaks of them being aliens, he speaks. Uh, he, he's using the idea of someone outside the borders, someone who is not within the nation. And he actually uses the word commonwealth there. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth suggests the idea of statehood or nationhood. Uh, and, and so what he's saying here is that you were outside and you did not have the privileges of citizenship in the kingdom of God. And so uh, those who do not have Christ, what are they missing out on? They're missing out on Christ himself and all of his, the advantages that he provides. But they also are missing out on citizenship in the kingdom of Christ. We talk a lot of times about our rights as citizens in the United States. Uh, and, and they are many, uh, and, and even in a time when there's considerable political turmoil in our world, and, and maybe even in a time when some of our very basic constitutional rights are in question, still yet, we are blessed people. We, we have rights of citizenship in this nation. We understand that. Our rights as citizens in the kingdom of God are even greater and more important. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with his people and all the blessings that attach to that. But if you, if you are, are not a Christian, then you don't have, not only do you not have Christ, you don't have citizenship and the rights of citizenship, which are many. Uh, that's a significant thing. We also know that a sinner is without the promises of God. Notice this expression, strangers from the covenant of promise. The, the word stranger is an interesting one here. Uh, so someone is strange. Yeah, that's not really the meaning, although sometimes the people of the world think of us as being strange or fanatical or weird. But it's not, that's not the usage here. The word strange or stranger here is in the sense of someone not known. Uh, so you, you're talking to somebody and, and, and an individual comes up, his name comes up. And you say, well, I don't know him, he's a stranger to me. And so the word stranger here simply denotes that idea of someone who is not known. Uh, and sinners uh, are not known uh, in regards to the promises of God, they, they are not known, that is, they have not been identified as recipients of the promises of God. Uh, sadly, a lot, of, a lot of people in the world, a lot of people who are sinners, a lot of people who have not obeyed the Lord, 
they imagine that they have the promises, but actually they don't. We, we reference the statistical studies that are done pretty often where people are asked, uh, if, if you were to take a poll right on the streets of Columbia, Tennessee today, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Do you believe that you have the right to pray to God and God would hear your prayers? If you took a, such a poll, typically, always, the poll results suggest that well over 90% of people think that they have those kind of promises and blessings. But the fact of the matter is, sadly, they do not. They don't even, re- <coughs> excuse me, they don't even realize that they do not. You remember uh, Jesus' famous statement in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful work. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. <coughs> Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So Jesus accurately in, indicated and prophesied Excuse me. That even in the day of judgment, there will, pe- there will be people there who imagine that they have the promises of God, when in fact they are strangers to those promises. That's still true today. There's a lot of people in that category. Just as Paul, get get the point here of our text. Paul was identifying the condition that the Gentiles were in before they were became Christians. And that descriptive is still true of those who have not obeyed the gospel today. Sinners are without Christ. They do not enjoy the privileges of citizenship in the kingdom. And they do not have part in the promises that God has made. They are without hope. Notice that those Gentiles were not only strangers from the covenant of promise, but they have no hope. Again, still true of sinners in our day. What is hope? How would you how would you define hope? I think we could define hope as joyful expectation. Right? Now, I think it's very important for us to refer to hope as joyful expectation. It's something you really are looking forward to, not dreading. Uh, you might have an expectation, but it might not be a joyful one. For instance, you know, you're having trouble with your car. And uh, the, my expectation is I'm going to have to have the transmission rebuilt. And it's going to cost a lot of money. But I expect that that's what's, that's what's happening. I expect that's going to be what, ha- what occurs. That's not a joyful expectation. And so you wouldn't call it hope. You're not saying, oh boy, I hope I get to... to, to Pay for a transmission job on my car. You know, you know, that, that's, not, that's not joyful expectation. Joyful expectation is something good, uh, something that you want to happen. But a sinner doesn't have hope. He doesn't have joyful expectation for eternity, whereas we who are Christians do. And that's a wonderful thing. In 1 Peter chapter 1, at verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
through what God has done by Jesus uh, and the evidence supplied by his own resurrection, we have what Peter identifies as a lively hope. In our Bible class, we referenced 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And so, uh, for our loved ones who have died, but they died in Christ, we don't have to sorrow like others. We, we may sorrow, but not like those who have no hope, because we have hope, right? I often wonder, and have very often expressed, I, I cannot imagine how people who, who don't have this eternal hope, how do they face death? Uh, how do they deal with the reality of dying? If, there, you know, if you didn't have this hope, it seemed like it would be an impossible, unbearable thing. But the fact that we have hope is, is a wonderful thing, a joyful expectation. And even in the face of physical death, we look at it in hope. But a sinner doesn't have that. These Gentiles didn't have that before they obeyed the gospel. Sinners today don't have that. Without Christ, without the privileges of citizenship, without the promises of God, and without hope. Ultimately, you could summarize it all by simply saying they are without God in the world. Sinners are without God in the world. This is an interesting expression in the Greek, without God. Atheos is the word in Greek. Break that down. You see theos, theo, God. And you put an A in front of the atheos. A means not or without. And so these people are without God. This is the only, the only, our English word atheist comes from that. This is the only place that it's found in the New Testament, atheos, or we would say atheist. Uh, so who is, a, who is an atheist today? Well, an atheist today, we would probably define an atheist today as a person who does not believe in or worship God, right? And that's true, and and this word could be applied to that meaning, but actually this is a little bit used in the reverse of this, atheos, without God, suggests not that you have rejected God, but that God has rejected you. You are without God. God has rejected you, or you could literally translate this as being abandoned by God. You have been abandoned by God if you have not obeyed the gospel. In Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, beginning verse 25, notice this description. I think it's the same sort of description. Proverbs 1, 25 Ye have said it not all my counsel, and would and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, then distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would, they would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Uh, there's, there's that description of people without God. People with God don't have something to fall back on. People without God do not have that, that strength and resource that comes in times of trouble. 
In Romans chapter 1, at verse 28, Paul says, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over uh, to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so, uh, here's our word. Uh, we think of the atheist as one who has rejected God. It's a true, it's a true meaning of the word. But here, atheos, without God, suggest actually the opposite, that God has rejected you because you have not accepted Him and His truths. So, what kind of a condition is a sinner in? Well, if you stop to think about it, the sinner is in a very terrible plight. He doesn't have Christ and all the things that Christ provides. He doesn't have the rights of citizenship. He, he doesn't enjoy the promises that God has extended. He doesn't have any joyful hope or expectation in this world. He is without God. Now again, this text that we're studying this morning draws a contrast. The contrast that Paul was pointing out to these Gentile Christians is, before you were Christians, these things were true of you. But now, he says, how is it for them now? But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So here's how it is now. Obviously, note, understand that in this context, he was talking about them being outside the, the, the nation of Israel and the covenant relationship that the Israelites enjoyed with God. That's, that's really underlying all of this. And so in those times, they were excluded from all the, the blessings of God. Just as sinners today are excluded from all the blessings of God. But, Paul says, now to these Gentile Christians, now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Those Gentiles were far off because they they didn't have the covenant relationship that the, the Israelites had. But sinners are far off too. Sinners, uh, Even sinners today are far off, far away from God but they have the potential to be brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Isn't it amazing that God chooses uh, to have a relationship with us and paid for the rights of that, that relationship with the blood of His only begotten Son? In Christ, ye who were sometimes far off, we were sometimes far away from God, separated by our sins, but now we're brought nigh by the blood of Christ. That's an amazing thing and a wonderful thing. Certainly something to be grateful for. Something to praise God about. We are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. So, in this, in this contrast that Paul was making about the Gentiles before they were made privileges of, made to enjoy the privileges of the gospel. He's contrasting those Gentiles before they had the privileges of the gospel with the situation that existed with them now. But but I hope you see the parallel. Sinners today are in that kind of a situation but can enjoy the rights that come through Christ Jesus. Where do you stand in that contrasting view? Are you a sinner without all those privileges or, or are you in Christ? That's something that we all need to ask. Where do you stand? If you're not a Christian this morning, we hope you'll make the decision to obey that simple gospel. The steps are easy to understand. Hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, 
be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, but you understand your need to do so, and you understand the requirements of obedience, we would urge you to make that decision without delay. We'd be glad to assist you in your obedience today. If you're a Christian, though, and you've slipped back and not been faithful to your Lord, and you've taken yourself out of that privilege that we were describing in our lesson this morning, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.